Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Garden Gossip Show. We love gossip and we love gardens. And we have some really good gossip because there's a new book out. In fact, it's an updated edition. It is called Straw Bale Gardens Complete, the updated edition, breakthrough method for gar- growing vegetables anywhere earlier and with, guess what, no weeding. We love it. It is out now through Cool Springs Press. It is by gardening pioneer, straw bale gardening pioneer, Joel Karsten, and he's joining us now. And go to his website, strawbalegardens.com. If you have not heard of this or tried this, this is going to blow your mind. It is so cool. Um, seriously. And when you hear the words, no weeding, everybody, and even in the beginning of the oh. book, he talks about like, this is like one of those things you don't believe, but it really does happen. So he's a miracle worker. So welcome to the show, Joel. How are you? Well, that's quite a welcome. Thank you so much, Lisa. And hi, Nancy. Hi. We're excited about this. Um, one thing is, I think people don't realize that pretty much anyone can have a garden. The very first thing I think, Nancy, when you were reading this too, we were both going, we lived oh, out. We, we Yeah, the soil, yeah. the soil thing. We went very oh, similar oh. to what you talked about when you, you were graduated from college and wanted to put in a garden in your first house. And we, we did this in um, 29 Palms outside Joshua Tree National Park in, in the high desert of California. We got excited. We were getting the house and the owner goes, well, the, that we were getting it from, buying it from, takes me outside and starts telling me, oh, these things pop up and he, you just need to whack them, kill these. These are all weeds. And they were desert primrose. And I'm like, you need to stop killing these wildflowers <laughs> now or I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm not buying the house if you don't do this. Leave them alone. It's ours now. Anyway, um, turns out that was about the only thing that really grew there. We had some Palo Verde trees. And then Nancy, of course, she's a major gardener and both, and she just puts me to work. Uh, I dig. And um, so there's not really much digging with this. So I'm like digging this, this is quite awesome. frankly. But we planted um, all ca- wildflowers. Everything. We started with wildflowers thinking this would be good. They were all for that area. And they came out like little teeny midgets midget I, you can't say that word tiny little tiny tiny little little poppies like little little they because the soil miniature we we didn't realize that the soil was so bad and this house was from the 80s and so no one had amended the soil for 30 years like insane yeah. Yeah. You know, when you start a vegetable garden, there's a lot of limiting factors, one of which is the soil, whether you have good soil or you need to do a bunch of soil modification. That can be a lot of physical work and it can be really expensive to get your soil in good condition to be able to plant. The other thing is that people don't think about is tools. You know, to do a normal garden, you need a lot of tools and it's a big yeah, you do. For, for a new gardener who's never done gardening before. They got to invest in all these tools. And then, you know, there can be some physical limitations for people who can't get down on the ground and do that physical part of gardening. Um, You know, if you're in a desert area, it can be water that can be an issue. You know, gardens take, traditional gardens can take a lot of water. And really this method 
kind of solves all of these things at once because you don't need your own soil. You're going to use the bale. The bale, that's the thing, the illusion about a straw bale or a hay bale is people think you're growing in, in straw. You're really not. You're growing in decomposed straw. So the inside of the bale is going to quickly become uh -huh. soil. You know, it begins uh -huh. very quickly. So the interior of the bale becomes the soil that then supports the growth of the plants. So yes, it's on the outside, it still looks like a straw bale and it will, for the most of the season, it'll stay in the shape and, and kind of have the look of a straw bale. But the inside is where all the action happens. That's where all the microbes are. We're gonna, we're gonna get a flurry of microbes to grow and that's what your plants are going to get their nutrients from um, inside the bale. So it solves that problem of soil. You don't need any tools. You know, if you have a pruning shears, it's really about all you need. Maybe a planting trowel. That's about all you need to do this type kind of garden. Um, there's not a lot of other tools and things required. Um, and from a physical standpoint, it's you're already starting about 18 or 20 inches up off the ground. So it makes it much easier. Sorry about the siren in the background. I'm just outside. <laughs> They're coming to take him away. <laughs> of course, some, some siren has to come by right when we're doing an interview. I know, that's funny. It'll go away quickly. Could be worse. Could be a train or something. Um, okay, so, you know, that makes a really big difference. So um, it really solves almost all of the gardening problems that people have when they first start out. So mm -hmm. I really encourage people who are brand new gardeners it's a great method to kind of introduce them to gardening for people who already have big gardens but want to add vegetables it's a great thing because there's no weeds so it eliminates a lot of the maintenance of a traditional mm. garden, and it takes less water over the long term um and for people who are seniors who physically are a little bit challenged my grandma josephine was like that she used to say getting down on the ground is easy getting up that's where i have yeah, trouble i've fallen and i can't get up yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> You know, if you can bend over to 20 inches and touch your knees, you can you can do a straw bale garden. So, well, I think awesome. too for kids. And, I, you know, Nancy and I were talking about this. Who, as soon as we heard mm -hmm. of you, I'm like, we've seen this. We've seen because we do a lot. I, we've seen straw bale gardens and botanical gardens, yeah. um, actual botanical mm -hmm. gardens, because uh, we do that across the country. And then, as you know, we pet sit across the country. And I know that we took care. There was this one garden and I believe it was in Connecticut. And I need to dig through my photos and see. Because it was like they were all raised and it wasn't raised beds. I think they absolutely, no matter how I, it was straw bale, because Nancy and I kept going, this is really different because everything was growing up instead of across. And everything was, I didn't, we didn't feel like the irrigation just did its own thing. It was like this easy garden. And we were just going out going, oh, we're just harvesting. This is fun. We didn't have to do that much work, you know. Yeah, so, the prep process takes about 12 days. If you're doing it organically, take about five days longer, about 18 days. So you got to get your bales and then we, we call it conditioning, the conditioning process. And that's really beginning stages of composting is what we're doing. So we're going to add water and then we're going to add what's key as a source of nitrogen. So that can be okay. organic or traditional. We make a product now called Bale Buster, which is, you know, you just, this is made for four bales, one size pack. So you just sprinkle this on the bale and you water it. And after 12 days or so, the inside of the bale has decomposed enough that you can start planting. As long as it's cooled down, you'll see the bales will get real hot for that two week period when you're conditioning, then they'll cool off. And as long as they're under 100 degrees or 105 degrees is really the cutoff, um, then you can put your transplants into the bale. If you're doing seeds, you need to make a real thin coat of planting mix or potting mix on top of the bale. You don't want to use your soil because that's going to have weed seeds. It could have potential disease. Mm -hmm. 
arboring in the soil and then you'll introduce that to the garden this way it stays it's kind of like virgin soil that we're dealing mm -hmm. with potting mix with no um seeds or anything in it and then we've got the bale which is brand new soil and there shouldn't be any seeds in that but you might get a couple little sprouts of oats or wheat if there's any seeds left over those are real easy to deal with you know usually they just dry up and and kind of go away or you can just pluck them out a little bit with your finger but um but other than that you know you'll go the whole season i get amazing social media because in the fall people will say on our social media i'm so mad i didn't discover this 20 years ago i've been for 20 years and now i haven't pulled a single weed all summer they're so excited what's the That's difference cool. between That's doing really this cool. i mean the straw like to me this is becoming your growing within a, a growing environment like what i find i kind of look at it as beer like the the, the grains that you use in brewing beer okay. you get this <laughs> the spent you know the wheat afterwards right and listen there's nutrition in beer they say a guinness you could drink a guinness and you don't have to eat for 30 days there's so much nutrition <laughs> oh anyway i don't know if that's <laughs> listen that's i don't care experiment <laughs> but I mean, the thing is i'll yeah, just have yeah. a guinness a day and i'll be happy but you know but they say, I mean, because beer actually has a lot of nutrients. And I wondered about yeah, it because it it's a grain. grain. Yeah, it comes from the grains. You know, what we're dealing with, the straw, is what's left over. It's the stalks of the grain. So the oats and the wheat should be harvested. And those become Wheaties and oatmeal and Guinness, et cetera. And Yay. then leftovers the stalks. But inside those stalks are still the, you know, this kind of the science behind it. There is still the molecules of that created the cells that created the stems and the leaves and the, you know, the mm -hmm. roots and all the parts of that plant. Some of those cells were harvested when the oats and wheat got harvested, but all the rest of the cells are still there. They're just trapped inside the stalks of, of the stems or the leaves of this oats or wheat plant and not available for anything else. But what happens is we feed these microbes, this nitrogen during conditioning, and these microbes will colonize the whole bale. So the whole bale will flood with these microbes. That's why the bales get warm. There's some reasons why that happens, but it's really friction. It's, it's replicating microbes that vibrate and cause friction, which dissipates as heat. So your bales will get warm. They colonize with microbes. Now these microbes are gonna metabolize the straw itself so they're gonna it's not really eating because they don't because they don't have mouths but they kind of dissolve the cellular structures in the leaves and the stems of these oats and wheat plant and when they dissolve those structures break down the lignin and stuff in those structures it gets absorbed into their little microbial bodies and then a few days later those microbes will die and the endoplasm is released from inside their bodies and that's where nitrogen phosphorus potassium molybdenum zinc calcium iron manganese you know all of the micro and macronutrients that a plant needs to grow that were already inside these plants inside the bale are now released and become available for the roots of a new plant to absorb wow. so it's very sort of a microcosm of the entire earth's biology that happens inside these bales it's really fascinating so that is what makes so, it better than raised raised beds like when people do the boxes those raised uh, bed boxes raised beds, essentially you're going to go get a, you know soil or potting mix of some kind to fill those raised beds and what is all good black soil have in common with with any good growing or good garden it's decomposed organic matter that's what makes soil all soil on earth is mm -hmm. composed of decomposed organic matter could be plants or animals but something that once was alive dies is decomposed by bacteria always bacteria is the final decomposer breaks it down and 
it becomes soil. And soil is really just a euphemism for an environment filled with ions and cations of free molecules, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, molybdenum, zinc, all these micro and macronutrients that the plant roots need to absorb to make new molecules, to make new cells, to make new stems and leaves and flowers and seeds, etc. So what about fertilizer? Are we going to need fertilizer? It kind of depends on what you're growing. You know, if you use, if mm -hmm. you grow something that's a really heavy feeder, you may need to supplement a little bit throughout the season, mm -hmm. but the plants will tell you, you know, the leaf, if you watch the leaf color, it'll turn a lighter green, you know, that's a nitrogen deficiency. If you get some mm -hmm. purplish color to the leaves, you know, you need phosphorus. Um, if it's not flowering well, you know, it depends on what the nutrient that's missing, but the plants will tell you. Um, traditionally on my garden, I don't, add any fertilizer at all throughout the season because they're all the fertility is there inside the bale and once that conditioning process happens it's it's all available now for people who make the biggest mistake that straw new straw bale gardeners make they overwater. it's very mm -hmm. and they do this because they can't see like in a normal garden you can see puddles start to form well in the bale the water runs through the bale real quickly so i always encourage people one gallon per application Every bale gets one gallon. So if you've got 10 bales, you're only going to water 10 gallons. Well, if your faucet gives you two gallons a minute, it's only five minutes of water. It doesn't seem like it's long enough. So people will water for a half an hour or they'll water yeah, for right. they, mm -hmm. they say, oh, my garden doesn't look good. And I've been, it, it looks like it's dry. And I've been watering for a half an hour, an hour every day. And then I try mm -hmm. to explain to them that after the first five minutes, now the bale's fully saturated and the rest of the water's running through and out. And it's carrying out with it soluble nutrients particularly ah. nitrogen. So now you're leaching your nitrogen, your calcium, other soluble nutrients out, and you're going to have to add those back in in order to replace the ones you leached out. So the solution to that is don't overwater. If you don't mm. water too much, you just get the bales wet. Just replenish the supply of moisture that, that was evaporated or that was used by the plants out of the bales, which isn't much in the spring and fall. In the midsummer, you know, I got an eight foot tall tomato with a hundred tomatoes up there. That thing's going to use two, three, four gallons a day out of that bale. So I might water three times a day, only a gallon at a time. That's very different than watering one time a day with five gallons because one gallon stays in, four gallons run through. So okay. any temperatures running through and out the bale, you're overwatering. So slow that down. You won't have to add much, if any, fertilizer at all throughout the whole season. What is it in, in regards to water? Are we using less or more or does that just... You know, if you have like a typical raised bed or an actual, you know, now you've gone and spent the money to do your bed, you, like without the straw bale, where are we on that water? You know, because I know people are conscious of that. Well, now it's getting all weird and different depending where you are. Yeah, water is a, is a resource, you know, and, and yeah. it's expensive. If you have to pay for your water, it can be expensive. Here's the thing about a straw, about straw in general. In agriculture, the main use for straw historically has been as animal bedding, livestock mm -hmm. bedding. The reason mm -hmm. we use it for bedding is because it's extremely absorptive. It will suck up and hold a bunch of moisture. If you think about these, these stems of straw, they're little hollow tubes. Yeah. And so droplet of water gets inside that hollow tube and then it can't get back out. It's adhesion and cohesion two basic principles of physics but these hollow tubes will all fill up with water that can't get out of the bale so you get a, a dry bale and you put it in a water tank and let it saturate completely soak 
for a day, then pull it out and weigh it. And you can tell how much water is held inside the bale. And a dry bale of straw will hold anywhere from five to seven gallons of water inside wow. that. So it has an amazing water holding capacity. Now you are going to get some evaporation, especially in hot, dry climates. You know, I got gardeners right. that evaporates. So they get a water every morning. You know, they'll put five, 10 minutes of water on top to get another gallon back in there. If they're using a drip system, kind of depends on how, how fast their bales are getting water, but they'll water and then it evaporates throughout the day. They might have to water two or three times a day because of that evaporation, but only a gallon each time. So it's kind of, I tell people, it's kind of like adding one more person to your family because a typical shower takes 25 gallons. You know, if you had a 20 bale straw bale garden, that's like adding one yeah. more person your to your family in terms of showering you know how much water use you get you can use gray water for these as well if you have a system that captures oh, cool. gray water like from washing and stuff you can use it, here. it can be difficult in traditional soil gardens because that soap and and the, the phosphates and stuff in the soap will accumulate in the soil over time and you get a salt buildup in your soil but the bales we're only going to use these bales for two seasons you know once we're done with two seasons essentially we till this into the soil and it becomes common. so yeah, that's what I was going to say, because most compost gardens, uh, we, we um, did pet sitting on a farm. Uh, the compost was all about um, straw. Every time you did something, you had to add straw. And that was the first thing I thought, oh, you know, something's going on when you're having straw. So mm -hmm. um, with this, with, with this, um, do the bales actually start helping the soil that, that you had bad soil before? Does it actually help your topsoil? Because that's something I think we're in big trouble with in this country is topsoil. Yeah, it vastly improves the, they call it the tilth of your soil. Mm -hmm. By adding organic matter, it makes it more crumbly, drains, mm -hmm. adds nutrients. I mean, it is a great solution for anybody who has a sandy soil or a heavy mm -hmm. like a clay soil. The clay. solution, add compost. And, and mm -hmm. this is the best compost. What's really funny is, before we had such thing as a greenhouse supplier where you could buy bags of, you know, potting mix and things, they nurserymen who would start plants early, I'm talking about like the early 1900s, they would make their own starter soil from decomposed straw. That's what they mm. use because it makes such a beautiful, clean compost that decomposed mm. straw made the best starter mix for seeds and for Anything that was like potted, um, you know, is a, a little different world back then than here than now. Um, with yeah. our plastic pots and things, they had to make things out of wood. But um, their their potting mix that they used was very often decomposed straw because it's very effective. Do you think wow. this is something we can do in food deserts? You know, I, I see a lot of people. Um, well, we see a lot of food deserts in places you wouldn't believe mm. are food desert, even if it's right. an agricultural area. Some communities. I find it hard to get fresh produce. And by the time it gets there, it's it's over and out. Like it's, you know, and it's not necessarily healthy. And if you, you know what I mean? You want to have, you may not be growing organically, but, you know, with the big seal, you know, but you, you can, you can do pest management in a very, there's just all kinds of ways you can do it without, you know, drinking bad chemicals. Yeah. You know, it, it depends on where you're at. If you're in the United States, you know, it's, it's pretty, yeah, there are food deserts for sure. You know, parts of cities where there's food deserts. Um, but you're usually within, you know, an hour or half an hour of a source of fresh produce. Places where we work in the world now are places like Cambodia and the mm -hmm. Philippines and parts of Africa where 
if they don't have a food supply, they're four mm. hours from civilization yeah. and because they don't have roads and they don't have capacity. They don't have refrigerated trucks. So it becomes very difficult to have fresh produce available for the population. Um, I did, actually did a TED talk about this. I, so if, if people are interested, they can go on YouTube or, or TED. Go to your or, website. Let's give everyone your website again, because that's where you can get the yeah. book and the products too. Strawbellgardens.com is pretty easy. Um, yeah. And then you have people that actually go out and teach, right? How to do this. Yeah, we have over 100 certified instructors. Um, wow. wow, that's great. Around the, around the world. Wow. We have several in Europe and um, Asia. And they, cool. you know, they just get a, a certification, meaning that they've been trained and that they understand the process and they have the resources. We provide slide presentations and stuff so that they can go out and teach. We don't pay them. They don't pay us. It's a mutually beneficial relationship, but often they charge their audiences. You know, I got people that go to university oh. to teach and go to master gardener programs and teach this method. Um, it's quickly adapting, um, being adopted in places like Asia and, and particular places that are, we talk about food deserts where there could be a three to five month period of the year where they can't grow fresh vegetables. They just physically can't do it. In, in, for instance, in Cambodia, there's a period where there's, there's floods, you know, and everything is five feet yeah. underwater. They're great farmers during the farming season. They grow rice, lots of rice, and they store rice. But during that three months when it's flooding and in a month and a half or two months when it's drought and it's like 100 degrees or 110 degrees and there's no water anywhere, they don't have pumps and electricity like we have out in these rural areas. They have no way to get their crops to survive. They could plant corn, but it would all dry up in the 110 degrees. Sure. Would irrigate. Yeah. So this is a great solution for them to solve that problem during those times of year. Um, we It's explained a lot on, on our website. You can read more articles and stuff about how we did that, how we accomplished solving that problem. But being able to feed yourself 12 months a year in these parts of the world has never been a thing. They've lived for centuries in rural parts wow. of Cambodia without having fresh produce for four or five months a year. And it's it's very detrimental, especially to developing brains of very young mm -hmm. children. You know, from zero to two, they really need a wider variety of nutrients. As adults, we accumulate some fat reserves and we can get by. You know, it's not the end of the world if we don't have fresh, if we have food, but we don't have fresh vegetables. Or Guinness. Right, <laughs> or Guinness, exactly. <laughs> Um, but okay. it, it kind of depends on where you go in the world, you know, mm. um, the more you travel, as you guys know, the more you learn how good we really do have it here in the United States. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, even people here who are, you know, in food deserts or considered poor po part of our poor population or less well-served population still have access to food. Somehow they figure it out. There's, you know, there's food shelves, there's, um, resources available and they're not usually they're not in a situation where they'll go three or four days without eating that's mm. very unusual over there it's very common and it's so mm -hmm. heartbreaking and it's not even that the, the people themselves have to go without food but it's them watching their children go without food yeah. that is a motivator and yeah. that's the reason why I tell people that this method is being adopted quickly is because Hungry stomachs make people desperate for solutions. And if they can find a solution like this, that number one doesn't cost anything. We've showed them how they can do this essentially for free without any capital investment at all. And it's crazy how we can make that work, but they can do it without anybody else giving them inputs 
the only source of outside input in Cambodia that they have is a source of nitrogen fertilizer. And that's provided by their government because they already use it for their rice crops. Otherwise, all the other resources they can get themselves. It's just the technology kind of of how to do it. Um, that is the game changer. That's awesome. I think, you know, mm. I'm, we, we talk about, you know, living in Kenya and South Africa and, and certain mm. areas, it depends on the climate. Are you in the rainy season? Oh, the equator, yeah. we talk about you can put anything out there and it'll grow. However, climate change is happening in areas and some places like getting water, like you're saying, is a very big deal. We lived out in the boonies and, uh, you know, Nancy, <laughs> I, used to, I used to have to walk to a cistern and bring back water, you know, go mm -hmm. before you go to school, when you come back from school. And it yeah. was, it was, you know, you got a, a real appreciation for water when you have to do that kind of thing as a kid. But I think, you know, even for here in our country where we actually have a problem where kids don't know where food comes from, they don't understand exactly. agriculture. I mean, agritourism is on the rise, which I think is great. But I mean, I've gone to a grocery store um, back in the day when people actually bagged your groceries and, you know, bought leaks and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, how do you not know what a leak is? So I feel like, you know, whatever we can do that is something fun for a family to do and to get kids involved, then maybe they're going to be excited about actually eating those vegetables and those fruits, you know? So I think this is a cool family project for the summer. Yeah, it's a great thing to introduce if anybody's involved in education. Um, the state of California has this as part of their um, growing food um, segment for grade school mm. kids up through high school, actually. But usually it's grade school focused. And they did a whole program just specifically about straw bale gardening. And that's something, you know, if people wanted to read more about, they could Google it. But any state could yeah. adopt it. It's just California did a bunch of curricula and stuff like that. Um, that that they make available so anybody can get their hands on that and, and be able to use that in the in the classroom. Do you see just, restaurants it, doing this? Like, amazingly enough, we have one right here in Minneapolis, and I don't even know the oh. I didn't know the chef before he started doing this, but he has a farm to table restaurant in the Hyatt down by the airport, and he has bales in the parking lot, so he grows. No way at the Hyatt. That's cool, dude. Yeah, it's a farm -to table restaurant, and we have, of course, we have restaurants all over. There's one in New Mexico that that has a big feature um, growing area with straw bale gardens, um, and there's there's a whole bunch of examples around the country of chefs that are using straw bale gardening or um, just restaurants in general that are using it. I got a few on the roof that have it on the rooftop as well. No uh, way, that's cool. Yeah, See, I think you can get really creative with. It. Because you, you don't, you don't have to go get a plow and a donkey. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, you it, know, or people to dig up the garden for you. You can move the bales. You can make it circular if you want or squiggly designed. And you can make a border with, with flowers if you want. I mean, I think it's totally creative. There's yeah, a lot you can do with this. It's a great way, sort of an introduction to gardening. Have you guys ever heard mm -hmm. of... I'm sure you've heard of my little library, right? That oh yeah, yeah. Neighborhood the library. Box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a program we're kicking off. You're the first to know about this, but cool. we've been we've been working on and fashioning this program. It's going to be called My Little Garden, and it's essentially oh. it's a pallet size garden. So it's three bales on a pallet with a little picket fence. So you make this out of two pallets essentially and three oh, cool. bales of straw, 
and it'll have some cute signage and stuff on it. And we'll just be providing the plans via PDF file and then sort of a way to have a directory, kind of like the, the My Little Library program does. Um, the guy who started that's actually pretty local here to the Twin Cities where I live. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Originally from Wisconsin, but we claim him because they're hmm. so close by. And um, and he's very successful. They have over 70,000 of those now all around the world. But the My Little Garden is a great way to do kind of the same thing. The My Little Library is about getting kids interested in reading and sharing books, et cetera. And this could be a great way to get people interested in gardening and have produce there. When you walk by, you can pick a cherry tomato off. It's like a community type garden. They can learn how to do it, watch the process, mm -hmm. and pick, a, pick a little pick cucumber or whatever when it's ripe and share with the neighbors as well as teach the kids in the neighborhood and maybe get people interested in doing it themselves in their own backyard. I love this. You know, that's awesome. Um, the the little my little library, the little library. We see them in parks across the country, and I yeah, photograph them as part of our documentation. Because yeah. that's what you know. We started off just doing national parks, which have gardens, by the way, um, and then went every park matters because we realized every pocket park, um, yeah. some of them have a community garden, and I think downtown Savannah. That's where I saw straw bales in in Savannah. We were in the the arts district where scars the um, Scars the scads, scads. That's what they call it. The arts. anyway, that's the college there, arts. And um, there was this. I mean, you're surrounded by these houses, and I mean, it's it's city. And here's this little community garden with straw bales. That's exactly because I was walking the little doggy, little Frenchie around, and going, mm -hmm. check that out. No, do not pee on the straw bale. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, bet, I bet people um, write me emails and they say, you know, I was walking through Epcot at Disney, looking at different you know, displays during garden. And there was a straw bale garden. See, it, yeah, we, oh, wow. I, we saw it at the um, at the okay. flower fields in Carlsbad, California. I think they had oh, that. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So, you know, that's where, that's going to be one of the first ones I think we saw because we were like, ooh, this is cool because they were showing how you mm -hmm. can grow things in old old boots and they were showing that kind right. of thing. Um, and it was mm -hmm. really for kids. And I love that, but I would love to see what you're talking about with My Little Garden be in actual community parks and i know mm -hmm. like in la a lot of people are transforming their front lawns into food so that people that Finally. are homeless they're experiencing homelessness can actually go and grab an orange or a peach or a strawberry or like pull a carrot mm -hmm. up and eat it you know so that it's something healthy um because even the food banks are trying to get away i i was we we were doing a thing with a farm where I'd go harvest the fruits, the vegetables, really vegetables. Listen, picking that many peppers, that's you know, I'll do the straw bale thing. Listen, um, and eggs and everything. But I would take them to the food bank, and one day I went the wrong time, and ended up in the line of everybody going to get their food. It was right in the middle of the pandemic, and you could see families and like understand like everybody had there was this this changeover of who needed food it was really quite a everybody was in shock but they were so nice and um everybody was they were so excited about fresh produce and someone came and donated a bunch of soda and they didn't want to give it out they were like don't you want to take this with you and i'm like i don't want it you know <laughs> and, and they didn't want it they didn't want the they wanted because a lot of times food banks it is these non-perishable items but when you can give families these and they were like things like peppers because there were a lot of ethnic uh, cultures that are you know we've got a lot of immigration you know happening 
and the people coming into our in our country i'm not getting political but i'm just saying they miss their food i know what it's like to live in different countries and you know i'll do anything for certain curries like i will and but but you want those things and and you can do this affordably in these communities that are getting started um across, and i know minnesota you you have also you know a lot of you know new people coming in where if they want to grow something from what they used to eat back home, this is a way to do it economically for their family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The startup cost is, is minimal, you know, especially when compared to starting a traditional vegetable garden, you know, people oh, think yeah. you just grow to till up your soil and plant. Okay. You do that. And let me know how successful you are. It's very difficult, you know, to, to just till up your soil and plant a garden. You know, there's a lot of soil modifications and, Mm -hmm. understand what you're doing I, I my the big thing is i used to work at a garden center when i was oh god mm -hmm. many, many years ago when i was in college so more than 30 by the years. way you see he he did study horticulture can you tell yeah. he knows this, the geek stuff <laughs> and so when i was in college i worked at this garden center and we would get young couples that would come in you know they just bought a house and they want to plant oh, a vegetable yeah. And so I would sell them all the seeds and all the stuff they needed in a, in a hoe and a rake and a shovel. And, you know, I'd send them home with a carload of stuff. And I'd talk to them two months later and they'd say, ah, garden didn't work out. And I'd say, well, what happened? Well, we rototilled up our grass and we planted a bunch of peas and beans, but we didn't know what were the peas and what were the weeds and what were the beans. So we just didn't pull anything. And then a month later, when we tried pulling out the weeds, it pulled out the peas and the beans too. And the whole thing was a mess. So we just mowed it off. I guess we're not gardeners. And that was it. Oh, that was that's a shame. That was sad. Yeah. And so with this method, if they just get through the 12 days of prep and they get something planted in those bales, I assure you they are going to harvest. They're going to harvest something. You know, you're never going to get hundred percent of what you plant is going to produce, but you're going to get something. And a yes. little bit of success breeds enthusiasm. You know, mm. someone comes over to your house and you give them a, a salad that you made from your own tomatoes, your own cucumbers, your own green peppers, and it blows them away that you were able mm. to do this and how good and how fresh it is. And it's it so fresh. It's a fire inside of people and it makes them excited mm. about gardening. It makes them think, oh, I've got a green thumb. And then, boom, their whole yard turns into gardens. You know, well, so you could do flowers too, the flower oh, thing. Sure. I'd love that too because well, that brightens yeah. your day. Yeah, you know, flower power. Flowers. And you could do designs mm. like you could create your own maze in your garden. Like That's, your own yeah, maze. Exactly. That was my first thing I want. I want to make I want to be yeah. <laughs> That's how it, remember we had one garden in um Twenty Nine Palms in California. Yeah, that's what really yeah. Hot. And in our neighborhood, nobody had a garden. It was either a lawn or just dirt. You know, and we're like, eh, you know, so we'll try planting a desert garden with different kinds of plants and vegetables and um roses and I wish we knew um, this. Yeah, I know it would have been so much easier. It was hard work. Yeah, that and, soil and was I so learned... tough with those chemicals. We had oh, to use manure. So yeah, we did manure yeah. topsoil. We spent oh, a few so thousand much. on changing yeah. the soil. And, and I learned, yeah. like, by the buildings, by where the house was, the degree, the temperature was fifteen degrees higher than away from the walls. Yeah. So if you if you planted next to a wall, one side of the plant that wasn't in the sun still got burned. I was like, I don't get it. 
But this yeah. is natural. See, it won't burn your plants. This is natural. You know? But it so I see where the straw bales, I mean, okay, so you can move them around, put them in any design you want at any level. And I mean to create yeah, the flexibility, the creativity, make use of it. I mean, I really don't want to bend over with a hoe all day long either. <laughs> it's a, it's a, you know, traditional gardening is a lot of work. You know, growing mm -hmm. on a farm, so I know all about pulling weeds and, you know, yeah. more chemicals. We had to actually pull the weeds out of the fields. Oh. Now they spray everything, but in the old days, yeah. we had to go through and hoe and pull the weeds. It's a lot of work. Nobody likes that. Yeah, job. it is. Yeah. And, yeah. So, you know, gardening is the same way. You know, who likes to pull weeds? So if you can do a garden without having lots of weeds to deal with and you still get great results, you know, people will ask me, why do you plant in bales? I don't understand. What are, you know, why would you spend the extra $5 to buy a bale? I say, how much time do you spend weeding in your garden? I can yeah. buy 20 bales for a hundred bucks. Well, I can't weed for very long when my time is valuable. I can't weed for very long. And I would spend at least 50 hours in a summer mm. weeding that same size garden. You know, it's worth more than $2 an hour for me. Well, also just being yeah. able to go outside and getting something like really fresh, like that hasn't been sitting on refrigeration for so long. And also all, you know, when you want to buy what's so weird now we want organic, right? But now organic is always packaged. You know, it's, it's, it's actually hard to find, you know, depending on where you are in the country, they tend yeah. to wrap every cucumber, every zucchini, everything's wrapped and in plastic. So here's all this plastic and that's not good for the environment. So, you know, for those of us who, who care about that. Yeah. yeah. And I always tell people, you know, if you've never gone out to your garden and picked a little basket of peas and brought them in the house and shucked those peas and steamed mm -hmm. them and put some butter and salt on them and eaten those, you have never really eaten peas because no. it is the greatest flavor, better than any restaurant on earth. Because with most produce, as soon as you pick it, it starts to deteriorate slowly. Mm -hmm. Same thing with corn, same thing with um, tomatoes is another really good example. With tomatoes, they breed tomatoes for sale at the grocery store to have thick outer skins because mm -hmm. they, better, they store better, they travel better, they don't bruise easily. But the thicker skins make them makes them less palatable and they don't taste as good. The really thin skin tomatoes, a lot of the heirloom, the older varieties, they tend to be more subject to disease and insect problems. So you get a little speck or a little flaw. Nobody wants that at the grocery store because the consumer won't buy it. But they have the best flavor. And those really thin skins don't travel well. They don't store well, but they taste great. So you go out to your garden yeah. and you pick a couple of these beautiful heirloom tomatoes and you slice them up and your friends that come over for dinner have never had a tomato that good because they bought all their tomatoes at the grocery store. I can't eat those other tomatoes. I yeah. really have had an aversion to tomatoes for my, I can eat cooked tomatoes, but then until like it was an heirloom tomato from someone's yard, I was like, Oh, I can eat that. That's yeah. But I can't do the others. Tastes like exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a texture thing. It just, ah. Um, before you go, I wanted to touch on this. I know that we're in, you know, early summer, depending on where you live, late spring. Um, so a lot of people are out gardening now. But what happens when it gets to winter? Now, we understand your winter. We did the Wisconsin winter this year. And like, 
Yikes. Um, and I understand the importance oh. of sunrooms, but even they get cold. Can you do this in a greenhouse or in a yeah. some kind of way to still grow things? I get people that will grow tomatoes starting very early, which for us, you know, February, March is really early. Yeah. I mean, it's still feet of snow on the ground, but they'll do it in a in a real greenhouse, like a nursery greenhouse. But then we also have what we call, and we call on our website, we call this the six-week greenhouse. And this is a very simple greenhouse. It's made out of two cattle panels that are humped over, and then it's covered in polyfilm, which is you can reuse from year to year, so you only need to do it once. And it's got a zipper door on it. You put six bales inside this little house. It's six feet tall or six and a half feet tall, so you can walk inside. You put six bales in there, and when you start conditioning the bales, they get hot. So they warm up this greenhouse. So in Minnesota, where we really can't plant until end of May, right. May um, we'll start this greenhouse at the beginning of April. And then we use wow. the bales as benches inside the little greenhouse to put our flats with our seeds to start seeds ahead of time. And the little greenhouse outside will get nice and warm. You put a few five-gallon buckets of water, it'll warm up the water when the sun's out during the day. And then at night, that radiates heat and it keeps the, the greenhouse well above freezing. Wow. Um, spring season so it's a fun little thing to do is build these little it's under a hundred dollars to build the whole thing we give you the plans we don't sell greenhouses or anything we just give you the plans how to build it so you'd go to the farm supply store buy two cattle panels and then some poly and we tell you the, the basics of how to build it and people are really creative they come up with all kinds of of neat looking little little cool. So tell us about the club. Mm. You have like a club. Is this about, you know, everybody like having fun and getting creative gets to talk together? <laughs> yeah, it, essentially that's what it is. It's a, it's a, you can join for free. We have a sprout membership, which is free. And then we have a seedling and a blossom level membership. And then we have a harvest level membership. Harvest level, you get me in person for 30 minutes for your garden club or, or whatever mm -hmm. to do a presentation. But the other two levels, Essentially, you get discounts on anything you buy and you get a, to participate in our monthly chats, which are, um, you know, 100 people online and we answer questions and we do we, sometimes we bring in speakers and things about different subject matter um, and all kinds of blogs. You can read the blogs if you're even a free membership and you can watch videos. We have almost 100 videos that we've Shop. spent years producing and they're all professionally shot and professional sound. So the quality is really good and the information is solid. You know, you can Google a question online. There's lots of people out there now talking about straw bale gardening because I kind of made it a thing. Um, and some of the information is very accurate. You know, they'll, they'll give you good information, but unfortunately there's some bad information out there too. And there's nothing worse than getting a call from someone that, you know, is frustrated and then i ask them well yeah. how do you do the conditioning the prep process and they explain it i'm like where did you get that information they say oh i got it from you know master gardeners or i got it from a university i say well it's really bad information you know they're not giving out good information about how to do this so you know it's a it's a free place people can come and then if they really like it they can share pictures they can participate oh, cool. it's a lot of fun that's really cool. I think it's important because, yeah, people do go off and do things. We know, like, people have stolen our mm -hmm. magazine stuff. So, like, it happens. I, yeah. I, I, have a, I have a friend who's a publisher and a coach, and somebody absolutely just copied everything she does on, on Facebook. I mean, word for word. And we're all sitting there going in disbelief. And, mm. and because it's on social media, we can all go, hey, 
we can see exactly, you know what I mean? It's like, it's right there in, you know, plain sight. But I, I see why having the club is important because you mm -hmm. want people to be successful in something that is really relatively easy to do. Um, and it's, it's a food source. So to me, that's, that's an important thing. And um, I like that you have instructors that do go out that are, have gone through your training, you know, so people can find the right thing that this it's awesome so this is cool. the updated version of the very first book so this is golden uh, everybody you can get it now in amazon but you can get it right off your website too right so if everyone goes to strawbellegardens.com you can see the tedx talk there the club everything is on there but again the book is by joel karsten and it's strawbell gardens complete updated edition breakthrough method for growing vegetables anywhere earlier and with no weeding and it's published by Yay. Cool Springs Press. Uh, we love them too. So thank you so much, Joel. Um, I want to go garden. We're, you know, we're going to start taking straw bales to everyone's houses now as we travel that's the great. country. Yeah, that's super. Yeah, spread the word. Like I tell We you. normally leave people plants, but now it's going to be a straw bale. Like, <laughs> hey, get the hint. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much Thanks. for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you guys are helping spread the word. So. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. No you no take problem. care and, and happy sowing seeds and, and getting your plants out for, for summer. That's that time of year right now. So thank mm -hmm. you. Awesome.